Welcome to the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan source for all things Idaho athletics. Now, here is your host, Chris King. Welcome into this edition of the Vandal Insider Podcast, and we're going to start out right away with some exciting news. We have a brand new presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast. A huge thank you to Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. They are the presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast. Such a huge thank you to them as the Vandals team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. And we're so excited to have them on board with the Vandal Insider Podcast. Well, with that uh, coming up, we're going to have a reunion of the 1998 uh, Humanitarian Bowl team. Can't wait to to chat with those guys. Uh, Go down memory lane on that historic and legendary Vandal team and so much that they accomplished, the, the history that they made and the mark that they have left on the program that is coming up but right now we are joined by chris hammond and chris uh we got a lot to cover so this week we're we're talking about the cow game the vandals wrapping up non-conference play coming up boy this is going to be a big one conference play big sky action starts uh with a bang taking on a red hot sack state team that just beat stanford let's start right here the Cal game. What were your thoughts? It ended up being a 31 to 17 loss for the Vandals and what was a very competitive game down in Berkeley over the weekend. Yeah, I thought it was a super interesting game from a Vandal fan perspective. You know, we jump out to a 17 0 lead. And I think you see a lot of people uh, kind of change their expectations of what they thought going into this game. I think you talk to a lot of people early on in the week and they're like, I hope we keep it close. Maybe we got a shot to win. Uh, and then when we jump out to a 17-0 lead, I know at least uh, I was down here at some of our VSF watch parties here in the Treasure Valley, and everybody started changing their tune to we're going to beat them, we're going to beat them. Um, I think at the end of the day, you saw what a Power 5 line can eventually do to you over the game. Uh, we saw an old foe in Isaiah Afonso, Montana State transfer, kind of run it down our throats for 137 yards on 22 carries. And I think you just saw kind of the difference of the extra scholarships can do and Eventually, their depth was just able to keep wearing us down. And uh, at the end of the day, a 31-17 loss for the Idaho Vandals, I think people need to keep in perspective, is is not a bad loss. I know in your post-game comments, uh, when you're talking to Jermaine Jackson, he talked about how interesting it was to see the locker room when he came back in and everybody seemed kind of upset that they lost this FBS game. And you had to remind him, Chris, that uh, it was a Power 5 game. So this isn't just an F- FBS game. Uh I think it's good that our team has that mentality that they should have won. I think as a fan perspective, this doesn't change our outlook on anything of the season. And I know we've kind of talked about, had you given everybody the results at the beginning of the season, that this is how we'd be throughout a conference play, everybody would have given us two thumbs up. Absolutely, we would take a close loss to Cal, a win over Nevada, and a pretty significant win over Lamar. So 2-1 and one to wrap up non-conference play, and then 
Big Sky Conference action begins with the home opener this weekend. Can't wait to see everyone at the P1FCU Kibbe Dome as the Vandals take on a red-hot Sac State team. We'll, we'll dive into Sac State a little bit more later on, but just to kind of build on your point there, you look at what the Vandal offense was able to do against Cal in this game. Cal, the prior week, played Auburn. This is Auburn. No slouches we're talking about. And that Cal defense only gave up 14 points. It was a 14-10 to 10 loss. The Vandals scored 17 points against this same Cal defense in the first half alone. And while the Vandals weren't able to score in the second half, if, if you're going to go on the road and you're going to score an upset uh, over a Pac-12 team, you're probably going to need the turnover margin in your favor. It wasn't. The Vandals had a couple of fumbles there that uh, stopped some drives that probably would have ended in points in the second half. So you factor that in, and uh, I was pretty impressive what the offense was able to do especially at the start of the game and a number that you and I were kind of uh, bantering about beforehand and you look at those FBS games Nevada and Cal you're able to split those but you look at the point differential if you would have told any Vandal fan kind of like what you were saying going into the season you'd be taking on two FBS opponents in Nevada and Cal both on the road and you would say hey the Vandals are going to end up plus 13 in the point differential in those two games People would have been smiling ear for ear to ear taking that outcome. Absolutely. And I think you nailed it there. You know, we have the three three giveaways there in this game. And honestly, you could say that that's the turning point. That's the momentum shifter. You know, we only lose by two possessions. We gave them the ball three times and didn't get the ball, you know, ourselves. So I, I think you're right in the fact that um this game we we have a 13 point differential between all of our FBS games. But man, and even in this game, we're a couple different bounces away from this being an even lower score differential. I don't know if it would have been enough for us to pull out a win, but you know, maybe we get an extra three, an extra six, an extra nine points on the board, um, or don't allow them to get those extra possessions. So it's very interesting looking at this at the end of the day. It's a power five team. I think our team had a lot of pros. I think you see the receiving core, guys like Hayden Hatton, Jerain Jackson, and Tres Trainer had really good games. I think our running game uh showed some sparks. And then like I said, I think the depth kind of killed him there at the end but uh all in all uh it's not Giovanni's best game but he's still through for 200 and almost 80 yards so even in his worst game he's putting up yards he's putting up points he's completing over 50 percent of his passes um so in the our roughest game of the season we still look like a very good team which is uh, a very good sign for Vandal fans I thought Giovanni in that game did a lot of really quality things that might not show up in the stat sheet, too. He was under oh, a lot yes. of pressure in that second half, and I thought his decision-making, what he was able to do with how much pressure he was under, was uh, was pretty impressive. And one other thought to kind of wrap up non-conference play, so Idaho absolutely dominates Nevada in Week 2. Nevada bounces back. They don't win but they only lose to Kansas by seven points. So you look at the difference of Nevada's experience playing Idaho, and that could have been a lot larger margin of victory, too, is what it felt like during the game. And then they were right there in it, kind of neck and neck with Kansas. So I'll be interesting to watch how Nevada does this year. And then Cal, they play UW next. So uh, that will be something to keep an eye on and how they do this season. I think they're going to win some games in the Pac-12. Uh, that's an interesting Cal team uh, to, to watch as the season moves along. And then, uh, Chris, we turn the page to this weekend. It's the home opener. Can't wait to have a big crowd coming up at the Dome on Saturday. Kickoff at 1 o'clock Pacific time. Our coverage on the Vandal Radio Network will start an hour prior and there is no easing in to Big Sky action this year. The Vandals hosting Sac State. 
Sac State rolls into the Palouse with a 3-0 record and fresh off of not only an FBS victory, but a Power 5 victory, 30-23, over their old coach. Troy Taylor was their coach. He moves on to Stanford. Just so happens Stanford's on the schedule, and Sac State gets the win. What ran through your mind as you were either kind of watching that game as it unfolded, keeping an eye on the score, and ultimately seeing the result that Sac State uh, pulled off that big victory? Yeah, it was, it's very funny, as you kind of touched on that. We play Sac State next, and the two teams that are facing off an opening conference play play the Bay Area rivals, and they both play very close and tight. In fact, both games going in 17-14 in the Big Sky team's favor at halftime. Uh, the difference with Sac State, I think they were a little more familiar with what Stanford's going to give them. Like, as you mentioned, Troy Taylor moves over there. Sac State's new coach is Andy Thompson, so he basically knew exactly what the offense was going to do. Uh, the way that whole coaching staff was set up was he caused the defense and Troy Taylor called the offense. So Andy Thompson knew exactly what to expect from them on offense. I think you're able to see it as they're able to keep Stanford only 23 points and um, able to get 30 in. It's, it's kind of a new look Sac, Sac State team, so I'm excited to see him in the Dome. Um, it's probably going to be, I think the stats polls just came out. Or coming out here in a couple hours, but it's probably going to be a top 10, maybe even a top eight matchup. So super excited to get back to the Dome. Dome sweet Dome, Dome team advantage. Uh, excited to see what we can do. When you look back to that game last year, and as you said, there's there's changes, but there is continuity. With the new coaching staff, there is a ton of continuity. Uh, not only the defensive coordinator, Andy Thompson, being elevated to the head coach, but some continuity on the offensive side of the ball as well, even though Troy Taylor seemed to be kind of be the uh, – the, the the magic sauce for them and their their great run of success under him on the offensive side of the ball. But last year's game, October 29th at Hornets Stadium, it went down to the wire. The Vandals fell 31 to 28. And some of those those key players in that game now, they've done a great job of uh, replenishing talent. Our guys taking on bigger roles. But you had Cameron Scadaboo, who was just uh, off the charts good last year in the Big Sky Conference. He had such a big impact in that game. They rotated quarterbacks, but Asher O'Hara, more their running quarterback, uh, was very much a factor in that game. So those guys no longer there. But if it's anything like last year's clash between these two, we're going to be in for a good one at the Dome. And just an important game. I, that's why it was so crucial to get the Lamar game on this schedule. The Vandals get a victory there. You're looking to get to that number seven. And obviously the Vandals uh, playoff team last year, not only trying to make the postseason, but uh, give themselves better positioning, potentially a seed to try to make a deeper run. And this would be uh, one heck of a victory for the resume if the Vandals could pull this one off. Absolutely. This is kind of the, we'll know really what we are after this week. Yes, we beat Cal. Yes, we hung in, or we beat Nevada and we hung in with Cal. But Sac State conference rivals won the conference multiple times. Uh, They proved to have not taken a step back, as many would have thought. Uh, this is going to be huge for us. I'm excited we got it at home. Like you said, we were close with them last uh, last year when it was at their place. I like our chance at home. I uh, did check the new rankings. Uh, Sac State has moved up to number four, and we are number seven. So this is going to be a top seven matchup in the Kibbe Dome. I know Kojak would tell everybody if he was on this, if there's no excuse, get up to Moscow, you know, get your tickets, camp if you got a camp. They're going to need us there, uh, getting it loud and being behind this team because – this is no slouch Sac State team rolling into the dome. 
Can't wait for Saturday. Again, starting off with a bang. And uh, the Vandals uh, can't look forward. Uh, you and I can kind of peek ahead a little bit, and we'll have more to talk about this uh, in uh, next week's episode of the podcast. But uh, Eastern Washington is an improved team over last year, almost getting a victory over Fresno State. They just topped the team that eliminated the Vandals from the playoffs last year in southeastern Louisiana. So Eastern uh, coming up, that matchup in Cheney the following Saturday, uh, the Vandals are going to have their hands full there. So at that uh, that's kind of the beauty and the tough part of the way the Big Sky Conference is set up is there are some uh, there are some tough matchups and there is absolutely no uh, no easing in just the way that the schedule works out for the Vandals this season. You're 100 percent right. Eastern Washington right now has the third most amount of votes outside of the top 25 in the stats poll. They're a team that I was kind of a sleeper on this year. Since basically the first round of Paul Wolf, Eastern Washington has not missed the playoffs in consecutive years. So, yes, they had that down year last year, but history would tell you that they always seem to have a dip, miss the playoffs, come back. So I was like, though it seemed like Eastern was trending down, history would tell us that they would have a bounce back season, and that appears to be the case. So excited for Sac State. Like you said, the Vandals can't be looking ahead, but it's going to be a fun one in Cheney in two weeks. Uh, if we go 2-0 and in these matchups. It's a huge win for the Vandals. We'll be looking very pretty to go through the rest of conference play. Kind of one other thought here, Chris. Always fun to celebrate former Vandals who are thriving in the NFL. And just this most recent weekend of games, the Atlanta Falcons, they're 2-0 on the season. And I'm not sure if many folks expected that from Atlanta, that kind of hot start. Peyton Ellis in the victory over the Green Bay Packers. The Falcons eking out a 25-24 to victory in an outstanding game. Peyton Ellis led the Falcons in tackles, also had a sack as well. Just always uh, such a blast to see guys not only reaching the NFL, but thriving. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, and I think it's a, it's a good chance. Some of these guys on the, the Vandal team right now, we could be talking years from now about what they're doing in the NFL, but it's just so... So fun to see what Caden Ellis is doing and what kind of impact he had in that game. It, it, it's so fun to see what Caden's doing. All the Ellis, honestly, Christian Ellis has also had a, a great past couple of seasons. And Caden, uh, it's nice to see. It's fun having that kind of big sky linebacking core there at Atlanta. As he he shares it with the uh, former Bobcat Troy Anderson, who some Vandals might remember when he was a quarterback against us back in the 2018 years. But uh, it's. It's really cool to see Caden have the success. He was such a hard worker uh, when he was here at the Vandals. He's such a good amb- ambassador for Vandal football. You love seeing him succeed at the NFL level. I'm glad he got his payday. I'm just going to continue to watch him grow. Hopefully he can get a Super Bowl ring on that finger soon and join the uh, the likes of Shiloh Kao and many others that have a Super Bowl ring um, as a Vandal alum. Love seeing it. Uh, Chris, before we uh, move on and have our conversation, this is super fun reunion with the 1998 Bowl team. Uh, just any other thoughts as we've got the game coming up this week? And, of course, uh, right around our corner, our conversation with the Bowl team. I'm just excited to see what the Dome attendance is, honestly. I, I know this team is exciting. I think the team has done everything that they needed to do to get Vandal fans excited. I think you've seen that at the watch parties through across the state. So I'm just excited to see what the attendance number is. Uh, I hope Vandal fans show out for this team. They deserve it. I know I'll be there. I know you'll be there. So hopefully uh, others are like us and they are, are making the pilgrimage to Moscow or just down the street if they're in the, the old Inland Empire and uh, support this team. Can't wait. We'll see you this weekend.
All right, the Vandal Insider Podcast, again presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals, it's the team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region. At Inland Orthopedics, our team is your team. Well, this is a very special treat here, joined by uh, some of the outstanding players from the 1998 Humanitarian Bowl team a reunion here. Thanks so much for the time, guys. We'll start just rattling off the names, and then we want to kind of hear from you, hear the life update. But Ryan Prestamonico, Brad Rice, Dennis Gibbs, Willie Alderson, John Welsh. Uh, let's hear if you give us, you know, the name first off so everyone knows what the, that voice sounds like when we have this conversation going. And then uh, just kind of life update where everyone is at. Ryan, we'll start with you first. Hmm. Former captain and all-conference wide receiver, Ryan Prestamonico. I live in Sacramento, California. I'm married with two kids. Okay, Brad? Brad Rice, class of 2001. I was a young guy on the the 98 squad, but I'm a financial advisor. I live in Lewiston, Idaho, married to my high school sweetheart, Jenna. I've got three kids. Uh, My oldest, Brayden, he's a, he's a freshman redshirting for the Vandals. I played free safety um, and linebacker, 97-01. Dennis, you're up next. All right, Dennis Gibbs, all-conference cornerback from, when did I play there? 97 to 2000, something like that. Uh, I live in Los Angeles, and I, I have a girlfriend, no kids. I'm, and I'm an insurance agent in Medicare, in the Medicare space. Outstanding. John? Hey, how's everybody doing? John Welsh here, uh, quarterback from the 98 team. I was with Rice and Gibbs, young guys, 97 to 2001. I was actually there for five and a half years. And uh, it's good to see your guys' faces. Last but not least, Willie. Yeah, Willie Alderson, Boise, Idaho. I had a running back that I got benched behind. I had to start at slot receiver in 98, but 97 to 2000. And I'm here in Boise, Idaho, teaching, coaching, and trying to sling some real estate. Love it. Okay, let's let's dive into things here. So a first question for everyone. We'll start with Willie. We're going to go in reverse order. How did you end up at Idaho? How did your journey bring you to the Palouse and uh, becoming a Vandal? Well, Idaho had some great coaches in the uh, Tormy era, and those guys were on the phone every day with me asking, am I a Vandal yet? And I got almost sick of them calling, and everybody else was like, are you coming to here? And But Idaho kept calling, and they were the most interested, and that was uh, that was the deal breaker for me, or the, or the, the game changer for me. Um, George Yarno was, uh, I told him first before, uh, Chris Tormey. And so he, he gave coach Tormey a hard time saying that I told him first, but, uh, yeah, they were the most interested and they did a great job, uh, making sure I was a vandal. And John, for you, how did your path lead you to the Palouse? Uh, that's a long story. These guys all got good stories, you know, knowing about Idaho and everything. But when they called me up, I had to ask them where the hell is Idaho? But uh, after high school, I went to a prep school in Milford, Connecticut, called Milford Academy, um, to get re-recruited again. When I, let, when I graduated as a senior in high school, that's when I got all my college 
recruiting letters. So by the time I contacted all these schools, you know, it was late in the game for the recruiting and there was no more scholarships available. That's why I went to that prep school. And uh, I'm going to throw an old name out there. Teddy Monago. He went to my prep school and that's how they ended up recruiting out of Connecticut to get me all the way to Idaho. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Dennis, uh, for you. Yeah. uh, Ultimately I'm not too far off of John, not to say that I was oblivious completely, but I almost forgot Idaho was a state. Uh, They recruited uh, actually one of my best friends and he was the year ahead of me. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Idaho. So finally it was my turn. Uh, set up a recruiting trip, and I just saw how how great everyone got along. Uh, seniors to all the way down to the freshmen. So I just knew, even though I was sitting in a corner not saying anything because I was just a little mute, I just thought, I like how this team got together. So I I uh, I was on other recruiting trips talking about Idaho. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Brad. For you. Yeah, I was I was a true quarterback in high school. I could run and throw. And I got recruited by George Arno, just like <clears throat> Willie. And the, the Vandals at that time, their coaching staff was smart. They were the only ones that were willing to recruit me as a quarterback. All the other schools wanted me to come in and play defensive back, and I didn't think they knew what they were talking about. So I – I bid on the University of Idaho, but I, I grew up as a Vandal fan. I'm only 30 minutes uh, south of Moscow, so I kind of had a, a lifelong affiliation, and, and it was an easy choice for me. Uh, but I I went uh, – I did go as a quarterback, um, but it was after just one one fall, they moved me to defensive back, and it was probably the right move. Um, and I, I, I really enjoyed that experience, and um, ultimately – Kind of like Dennis Gibbs, I kept getting a little chubbier as I got older. And by my senior year, they had to move me to linebacker because I was just too big to play free safety. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Ryan, uh, how did how did you end up uh, making your way to Moscow and becoming a Vandal? Yeah, like Dennis and John, when Idaho started recruiting me, I didn't even know they had a program. I'd never heard of the Big Sky Conference. Jim Center was on staff at the time, and he's who recruited me. I was part of head coach Chris Tormey's first class. So I remember him sitting at my house and he said, you know what? You remind me of a guy recruited at the University of Washington, Napoleon Kaufman. He says, I think you play just like him. You fit really well in that program. And that was like Napoleon Kaufman at the time. That was a big deal. I was like, man, if this guy believes in me like this, then I'm going to go to Idaho. And it was a pass-happy system, so it was a perfect place for me to go. But uh, that was a... That was a great recruiting move by Coach Norman. <laughs> well, a lot of these stories here, and this is kind of opening up to everyone, a lot of these stories here talk about uh, not only Coach Tormey, but some of the great coaches on staff that uh, helped bring you to Moscow. Is this kind of getting the wheels turning at all about uh, some of those coaches that, uh, you know, that helped bring you to Idaho in the recruitment process? Uh, anything come to mind just opening this up to uh, everyone here? Yeah, I'll certainly kick this off to my receivers coach I had for five years. So I was very blessed to have Paul Scanzi as my receivers coach. He was an outstanding human being, a fantastic coach. Uh, there's a lot of character development that he introduced to us that I still use when I coach 
uh, the kids today. So he was a, not only he was a great coach, he was a great role model and leader. So Paul Scanzi. Feel free to jump in if that, uh, if that uh, hits a nerve with anyone else, that there's a story to tell well, Dennis. I got to go back to the Napoleon Kaufman thing. Is that, is that legit? Legit. <laughs> he sat in my house. He said, Remind me of Napoleon Kaufman. I recruited him. Oh, my God. I recruited him. That is funny. The funny thing is he did. And to tie it all together, Napoleon Kaufman went to my high school. And, yeah, when he came to – when Chris Torming came to Lompoc, uh, that's the reason why he came back. And that's ultimately why I ended up at Idaho is because he knew that we had a decent program. No way, and he would he would continue to to pick up guys from us. I well, think I think I think Tormy got it mixed up. He he meant to recruit Gibbs with Napoleon Kaufman and with uh, <laughs> with Presto's Napoleon Dynamite. He had the foresight of that coming to be. A... <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's good. <laughs> but I, I had uh, Phil Early, and then I had Brett Ingles as my quarterback coach. And, you know, those guys were great. And those guys went on to do even bigger and better things. And, uh, you know, they really, they really made me, you know, the player I was, you know, going to college, it was just, it was a lot more uh, film work, you know, study and things like that. And uh, you had to do a lot, a lot more mental stuff that, you know, I necessarily wasn't used to. I was just going out. I was used to going out there, just playing ball. And this taught me a lot of the, you know, X's and O's that I really wasn't aware of. And Brad, we, we haven't hear, heard from you on this yet. Anyone else that you haven't mentioned that you want to make sure that uh, to touch on? Well, I, I went through um, staff change and position changes. So I had I had a number of position coaches when I came in um, till early because I was I was a quarterback uh, with John that that true freshman year. And I I ran the scout team. Um, and so I, I wasn't getting a lot of position coaching. I was, I was getting an earful from Nick Holt, who was the defensive coordinator at that time. <laughs> and uh, I got some good stories there, but probably not kosher for a podcast. Um, I got moved that next spring to, to play defensive back. And Jeff Mill <clears throat> was my coach and proceeded to be my coach for the next couple of seasons uh, before the staff change where Tom Cable came in. And then I had, David Handberg was my was the safety coach my junior year, and then when they moved me to linebacker, I had Rich Fisher. And I guess what I'd say about the the staff is I always felt like every position coach that I had ultimately cared probably as much about me as a person as as a player. And so they they were they were all great about you know trying to get to know you as a person um, and spend some time with you outside of football as well. And and culturally, I think that's one of the things that um, is special about Idaho is I, I think those, you know, at that at the level we were at and the team that we had, I, I, I genuinely felt like our staff cared about us. Um, and that probably led to us being a little tighter as a team than, than perhaps you see um, today. That leads perfectly into my next question, because we're <laughs> going to get into the success on the field and, and that great season. But I know as a group here, you, you know, so many of you guys, so many members of the team, not only busy on the field, but, Busy as part of the student body, busy with student organizations, busy with student government. As I kind of throw that out there, does anyone want to jump in on any special experiences, you know, not just as a member of the football team, but as a member of the student body at Idaho? 
Mahmoud and I, this is Ryan Prestamonico. Mahmoud and I were ASUI government. So I was a senator when he was the president of the school. So we worked hand in hand working to try to provide solutions or, and address concerns that some of the, the student population had. That was a lot of fun. And I met a lot of people I would have never met. Right. So a lot of my, my peer group was certainly football and, and, uh, you know, from the dorms, but spending the time on the Senate, I got to become friends with other people I would have never met. So it was a really rich experience. Anybody else, anything come to mind? You want to jump in on that? I think God uh, presided over the, uh, Alpha Phi house. I think he pretty much ran that place. Yeah. I was the president there for a little bit, but, uh, you know, I was just trying to get through school and, uh, you know, I, you know, being the, the position I was in, I had a lot, I feel I had a little bit more, uh, responsibility, you know, as far as football stuff that I had to do, but, uh, the community as a whole, I couldn't ask for anything better, you know, being from so far away, they really, they really took me in and I felt like a part of that community. And I, I miss that place to this day. That place will always be home to me. And Dennis, uh, anything you want to add here? Yeah, I was going to say I did not participate in anything along those lines where I was a part of student government. But, you know, coming from California and um, being black (laughs) in Idaho, where it was less than 1%, uh, obviously culture shock, but just learning to transition into, you know, this type of environment really it you know it took some time it it was quite the adjustment and just learning how to be approachable I guess or looking approachable (laughs) it it, it's uh it was something that you know was kind of a learn on the job type of thing and once I felt like I I wouldn't say like uh whether it's smooth out rough edges but it was it was definitely a situation where I I uh, I felt like I came out better just by sticking sticking it out uh, because there were times where I would just call home, you know, asking about the weather, thinking I just want to be in California. But um, you know, kind of like like what John said, it, I I miss Idaho. I miss a lot of the things that that. Uh, I don't fully get in a in an LA type of metro area. So um yeah, Idaho's Idaho's a special place. I'll add to that real quick on Dennis for uh the the culture shock. I think he was wondering what that white stuff is coming down and him not having a winter coat and then uh bringing him down to McCall, Idaho in the winter trip and getting him on a snowmobile. And taking him to the yacht club off of uh, Main Street there in McCall, and talk about the music stopping. <laughs> Dennis Gibbs is in McCall, Idaho, <laughs> and then uh, we own the bar about playing playing pool. And I know Dennis knows this, but uh, rack him, let's go. <laughs> I, man, I was drunk, so I don't remember half the stuff that went on back in those days. <laughs> Uh, Brad, uh, Brad, any anything else to add in here? Yeah, I think you know when you're a, a student athlete, um, you don't you don't really have a lot of 
time for the extracurricular as far as student government or volunteering and some of those things. Um, just because with the, with with practice and weights and meetings and class and study table and all that type of stuff, um, you're 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 pretty tied up. But the one thing that it does do, um, being part of a team and and playing at that level, um, it develops those skill sets for um, participating in leadership roles later in life. Um, and so I I I would say, and I think all these all these fellows on the call and and many, many of our teammates would, would say that, it, that, that the leadership skills and the, um, you know, different character traits that you build through college athletics um, really sets you up um, for success <laughs> later on in life and taking on some of those volunteer roles and leadership roles in your respective communities. Um, you know, I think this group that you're talking to this evening, uh, with the exception of me, is really, really short on accolades. I mean, these guys were weren't you know, weren't very good at what they did in their particular positions. Um, so some, sometimes guys like me had to take on a little bit more and uh, ultimately attain things like team captain or most inspirational or defensive MVP or special teams MVP. Um, so, you know, some of us might be ultimately more, more suited for leadership roles, but you kind of get my point that there's, there's a lot that goes on where we ultimately <laughs> – um, I think we do really do contribute to our communities in our own ways, but a lot of it comes from the things we learned at the University of Idaho playing football. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, just thinking of, unless there was anyone, anyone else want to jump in and add any more on that or. Uh... I just want to express my gratitude for carrying us all these years, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Welcome. There's more to come. <laughs> Well, when it comes to the on-field success, uh, the 1998 team going into that year, uh, I think it's safe to say not uh, not everyone uh, on the outside of Moscow kind of uh, externally had, you know, knew what the team was capable of. But what to remember the feeling was going into that year in the locker room internally about what the team could do. And then obviously uh, the historic accomplishments that the team had. And uh, Ryan, we'll, we'll start with you first and just kind of open it up from there. Uh, this is you teed us up for this is this could take a long time to answer from everybody because we were ranked by almost every media source as the. The team, the last Division One team in the country. One, we were gonna, 116 out of 116. Yeah. Or one, 112. 112, right? All of on. We were, we were at the very bottom. And when we read that information and we looked around, we're like, no, we're good. I don't know how they came to that conclusion. And when we won the conference and we went into the bowl game, we played a ranked team. Right, we didn't play a lot of ranked teams in my career in there, but when we played Southern Miss and they were ranked and they were supposed to beat us, we all felt like we belonged in that game, and we proved it. Right, one of the two two items that are on our ring is there's toughness and believe. So that was a theme for our program throughout that season: believe, and we all believed in each other, and we made it happen. So the most memorable part for me is coach Tormy reading off those me those media sources. Like you guys are picked to be the worst team in the country. And then wonderful game. Pretty special. Pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I was just yeah. trying not to mess up, you know, Presto was a, you know, a little bit older than us, but 
us other guys, we were all freshmen. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of great seniors that we didn't want to let down. We had a lot of great leaders, um, you know, that, that took us to where we went. I mean, we were just pieces in the puzzle and, you know, we, we talk about these guys all the time, you know, Joe Thomas, uh, Nick Alexico Skinner, guys like that. And, uh, you know, they led us to that championship that year. And we didn't want to let those, those seniors down and those leaders down. And, you know, we, like I said, we just tried to do what we could not to mess that thing up. Dennis, anything to add on this, on what the, uh, the external thought was on the team. And then in turn, what, what the reality was in the locker room and obviously what uh, became a, a historic season in a historic team. Yeah. Well, we were young too. Um, I mean, I just remember our whole offensive line was, I mean, we were, well, we, a lot of us started as freshmen. Um, I started a handful of games and then transitioned to our, our sophomore year, especially uh, losing a couple seniors. I mean, I was almost leading the, the cornerback group and it was only my second year, uh, especially going into that bowl game. I mean, we played against, it was literally like the the best wide receiver tandem I think in college football at the time. Uh, Sherrod Gideon and and uh, Todd Pinkston. Todd Pinkston ended up playing uh, like nine years in the league. Um, Sherrod Gideon. I don't know why I remember this, but I think there were two people in college football, like the the video game, uh, that had a ninety nine ranking he was number he was one of them mm-hmm. and uh peter wark uh, of florida state was the uh, was the other guy so you know i mean me and another freshman ige vero we had a pretty tough task but um they didn't have any catches against me so i'll say that <laughs> will willie got something to add here yeah, I was just going to say, we, we did start out 0-2, and, and we went down to San Jose State, and I think that was kind of, at least in in my mind, the offense's mind of, you know, we overcame adversity, and we beat San Jose State there. I think that was the first road win of a, you know, that was, I forget what conference they were in at the time, but to Idaho, that was a huge win, and it kind of just changed our mentality of, okay, we, we can play with anybody, we can beat anybody. I think from then on, uh, I think we finished the season. We lost three games, so that the, those first two games we lost, and then we kind of changed things around. and And I think uh, we lost to what Nevada or Utah State there, but then uh, yeah, we finished strong and kind of just goes back to what what I'm trying to teach here when I coach is, is you're going to be dealt with adversity, and it's that thing that uh, Welsh said with uh, the toughness to believe that that was what they were preaching from day one. I think we had T-shirts made, toughness to believe, and whether or not that helped, I think it did a little bit. But um, there's a huge part of that mentality, and for me at least, when we beat um, San Jose State on their field, that was kind of the the, the turning point of okay, we'll be all right. I'll never Brad, forget, Greg. Real quick, sorry, Greg Robertson doing the worm on the 50 yard line at San Jose state. Anybody else remember that? Coach uh, early, coach was... early ripped into him on film day. And Jason Daniel. <laughs> right. Oh, Jason Daniels. 
His was the terrible one. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. I think I busted out the running man. JD today. Me and Presto. There again? Oh. We just talked to Daniels today. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. He'll be he'll be here this weekend. He'll be with us. Yep. I saw him. I saw him two weeks ago up at Priest Lake. He said he was coming. All right, man. And Brad, I think just we haven't heard from you on this. Just any thoughts on just what the 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 view was externally and what everyone knew in that locker room, kind of going into the season. What everyone found out, kind of to Willie's point, as the season unfolded and uh, started to pick up that steam and momentum. Yeah. Well. It's already been mentioned, but I would I would say every single person on that team, if you if you ask them what two words describe that season, they're going to say toughness and believe. Um, and it was it was there was enough consistency with that thematic the whole year that it it really um, you know is permanently kind of um, emblazoned in my brain. Um, and I you know I was a young guy, and so like John said, I mean I was I was doing everything to try to earn playing time and earn a spot. And I ended up being the, the nickelback. So I'd, I'd come in on in passing situations and maybe ended up playing 25 or 30% of, of most games just in those particular situations. So I looked to that senior leadership. Um, it was a very young team. I'm, I turn over my shoulder here and look at the team photo. And in the team photo, we've got 10 seniors. Um, that's, that's not very many on a, on a, division one football team. Um, and so that just tells you, like, we have a lot of young guys that stepped up and, and um, played their part to, to, to contribute to the success we had. But, but it also tells you that we had some outstanding seniors to lead it. Um, and you can kind of look, look at the people that were there, like Skinner and Joel, Alexa coast, um, you know, you had guys like Tom Rayner that were, were walk-ons that, that, you know, earned it um and so you to me just being part of something special and wanting to contribute and being young but you had a staff that that very much um stuck to their guns as far as what that season was all about and obviously with the results drilled that home um and turned out okay it most it most certainly did so there's so much we could break down from this year, but uh, but at the end of that season, just legendary moments, legendary games, Boise State. That's all I need to say. Who wants to jump in right there and just uh, dive into what made for just a historic day for the Vandals, a historic moment? Uh, who wants to go first, just thinking of that game against Boise State? Well, I, I think either me, John, or Willie needs to – explain what went on in that huddle when we called that two-point conversion play. One of you guys want to take it? I know I did a lot of, a lot of talking tonight. Go ahead. Sure. First you remember of all, off? Yeah. Well, first, let's start off with who do we hate? Boise State. State. <laughs> right. Boise hey. State, man. So, anyway, <laughs> we were in overtime, and uh, Boise State called that last time out to try to ice our kicker, Ben Davis. And we went over to the sidelines. Um, you know, we knew we had to do something. We we didn't want to take another chance going into another overtime um, because, you know, they were scoring every time, and we didn't want to we didn't want to lose. You know, go all this way and lose on something like that. So we knew we had our 
our, our senior, our leader, Joel Thomas, and we rode him all year and we figured, you know, why not do that right now? So I remember if you look at the tape, Tormy looked at, at us, looked at Joel and he said, what do you want to do? And Joel said, give me the ball. And you see Tormy smile. And that's when we ran out with our offense and Boise State had no clue what we were doing. They assumed we were coming back out to kick a field goal and we snapped the ball. Um, I remember on, on my first sound. So we didn't give them any time to set up and I threw it to him out there in the outside and uh, the rest is history. Yeah. I think to have that amount of confidence in your team at that point, being a coach now, I thought that's, that's the respects to coach Tormey to be the, you know what? You guys brought us this far. It's up to you to, to, to call it, put it on your leaders. Joel, what do you want to do to me? That looking back now, 25 years later, that's, you know, a tremendous amount of trust, respect, guts. That's right. what excites me about it. Willie, I believe you were in front of Joel, right? You made a block to spring him in, weren't you? No, you... I was not on that play. That was uh, that was uh, Moody, um, Tenor. Um, yeah, no, that was uh, – we practiced you? that play. We practiced that play all year long. Never, never needed to use it. And, again, it's just kind of one of those deals where – it was kind of meant to be, right? Uh, one of those plays where we never thought we'd, we'd use it, and it's like we know what play we're going to run. We've practiced it all year. No one's ever seen it, and obviously BSU had no flipping clue, <laughs> so that's all the better. Well, I was on the opposite side of the ball, so the, the left-hand side is where Joel was throwing. I was the split-wide receiver on the far right. If you watch yeah. the tape, I didn't even get off the ball. I just stood there and watched <laughs> until I saw Joel <laughs> run into the touchdown, then I ran over there. <laughs> Real quick, as soon, I don't know if you guys saw it, but as soon as I released the ball, I got sacked. So if I would have held on to that thing a split second, that wouldn't have happened either. So, you know, we're talking about a couple of these plays here, and uh, you know, we don't remember all the games. We don't remember all the plays, but there's a couple that stand out but I would say for the most part, the things we remember are, you know, the guys that were in that locker room and, you know, all the good times and all the bad times that we went through and, you know, who, who we, who we became. Cause that was a, that was a young time in our life. And uh, Idaho really shaped, I know the way I am. And I, I think, you know, for these guys, the way they are, you know, that was just a special time in our lives. Our first time being away from home and all of that. So, um, those are the things I remember most. Um, it's not, you know, football was just a part of it. It was just so, there was so much more than just football. That's incredibly well said. And Brad and Dennis, while we're on the Boise State game, any thoughts, any memories just on that game in particular? Shoot, you can even go into the celebration as well, because that, uh, I can only imagine just the uh, the jubilation when it happened and then uh, the excitement after of, of that kind of historic win. And, of course, the season didn't end there, but what a day that was. Well, I'd say, again, being a young guy and only being in, involved in that game, maybe maybe 15 or 20 plays. Um, that to me, it was just, I mean, what my memory, my true memory of the game is centered around that two point conversion um, because it was such a, I mean, it's just such an epic, epic finish. And perhaps, I mean, arguably, arguably a, a more famous, more, I guess, um, bigger 
um, historical moment in Vandal history than the bowl game, than that game or the, or, or the subsequent bowl game is, is beating Boise. And anybody that, that follows Idaho football and has been a, you know, a, a real Idaho fan, I mean, that, that, that is, a, at least at the time, was the definition of rivalry. Um, and to beat them at their place, you know, to essentially set ourselves up to win the conference and, and go to the bowl game. Um, gosh, I mean, there, there's nothing better. I mean, that, that, if I had to, if I had to summarize that entire season, that, that to me is just a, is just a small notch above the bowl game. I mean, that, that, that to me was so exhilarating, exciting and taking it in because I got to take it in as a player and a spectator too, because I was on the sideline when the offense is out. <laughs> um, you know, the one thing about, Boise State and and that being the last time we beat them, um, it's it's in in some ways it, it's caused me um, kind of a, a a long run of you know twenty five year run of pain because the week the week of the game as as a team kind of it was it was a uh, what I call a tradition to at the practice before last practice before the game is you you you'd run over to the tackling dummy that was wearing Boise State orange and blue and you tear it apart. And when you tear it apart, you'd, you'd have all these little shreds of things, of t-shirts. And a lot of guys would weave them together. And I've, I've worn this for 25 years and told myself that I wouldn't take this off until the Vandal beat Boise State again. And it's just been disappointing. This thing is getting dirty, sweaty. My wife gives me crap about it. And so what I really need is the Vandals to schedule Boise State again so I can put this little bracelet to bed. <laughs> That's what awesome. A story. That's awesome. What a story. I know you, you guys from, I know you guys recognize these things. You have yeah, that right. from, from when you actually took it off the dummy? Yeah. Is yeah. That what that, no I've way. had it all these years. Wow. Cool. Oh man! Yeah, Chris, that was a lie. I haven't, I haven't worn it for 25 years, but I've had it for 25 years. Hey, it's right here. We can, we can attest. We're recording this over video, and that is, uh, look, that is the, that is the real deal. The, uh, those, uh, those colors, blue, blue and orange, it is there. And Dennis, uh, just haven't got your thoughts yet. When you think back uh, to that game, you know, it was a little bit different for me because we played a lot of, I mean, we played all man basically when it came to our defensive scheme. And that's that's what everything was really built around. So uh, Boise State had a really good wide receiver. I think he was uh, first team all conference. And I essentially shadowed him. Uh, so <laughs> that's all I really remember, just running around and chasing this dude around. I mean, I and being tired. <laughs> that's I mean, the, the time of that has has kind of passed. But obviously that the going back to that that huge moment in overtime i mean that's that's iconic Taking just a quick time out from our conversation to give a big thank you to our presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast, Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. As the Vandals team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Now back to it, to our reunion with the 1998 Humanitarian Bowl team. Again, our conversation featuring the MVP of the Humanitarian Bowl, John Welsh, Brad Rice, 
Dennis Gibbs, Ryan Prestamonico, and Willie Alderson. Again, right back to it. Got to ask you, Willie, maybe more than anyone else, you get a bask in that victory uh, just being being in the Treasure Valley. Have you have you heard about the game uh, kind of in the years since, or at least you get to bring that up. You get to be right there at uh, ground zero with bragging rights. Yeah, it's the it's born and raised here, grew up in Nampa, never was a BSU fan. They were always terrible growing up. I had no interest in going to BSU. And in the time since, it's – the only thing that's hard living in this area, I mean, it's a, it's a great place to live, great place to raise a family, except for that, um, you know, the last recent success of those guys. And, um, you know, I had a four-year deal with uh, an outsource um, with, with my dog. And so I was actually on the BSU sideline for four years. And everyone was like, how could you do that? You know, and it was like, you know, I am not cheering for these guys. I'm a, sponsored by a different company and um, – I remember the coaches, um, Harson was one of them. He was a year older than I, we played against each other in high school. And, um, you know, I had a, a Vandal polo on underneath and I was, I remember the only, only two, the few times they lost is when I was given fist bumps. <laughs> and I remember Harson looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, I'm a Vandal man. And, you know, they had a, they've had a good program, whatever. Uh, you know, my, I got family that, 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 that are Broncos and I'm like, I will never, you know, and even my daughter is in gymnastics and she's 10 years old, already looking at BSU. And I said, you know, I will never support blue and orange. I'll support you. I'll love you, but I will never, uh, never support the blue and orange. So it's, that's the only drawback of living down here is dealing with them yahoos. But at least you have the bragging rights from that game. You've got the, those bragging rights. Yeah, and I think this year would be a great year to, to play them and, and renew that rivalry. If uh, you know, luckily for BSU, we're not on the schedule because I think we take it to them. Agreed. Well, and on that note, guys, uh, going on to the bowl game, the victory over Southern Mississippi, forty-two to thirty-five, <laughs> making Vandal history. We've touched on it a little bit, but Ryan, we'll start with you when you think back on that game and making it happen. And, of course, the the banner hangs every time all of you and your teammates get to go back. It, it has its place in Vandal history. Uh, what comes to mind first? About the game or the week or anything? All, all of the above, wherever it's choose your own adventure with it. That was a fun week. I mean, the, the game itself was incredible, of course, but I'm sure some of the other guys are going to talk about the game. But the week itself, practicing – Every day, just being on location somewhere for a week. Normally, when we traveled, we would travel, have a travel day, maybe practice that day, play the game the next day, leave that same night. But to be down there with all of your friends for a week, it was exciting. We got to go out at night. We had a lot of freedom in the evenings and woke up the next day, worked hard, practiced hard. There was some media attention that we had where we had uh, we had regular interviews. So it was a really fun week, really exciting. The game itself, we'll let some of the other guys talk. I want Johnny to talk about um, one of our big plays, but I think that one of the the plays that stood out in the game to me was Jerome Thomas's uh, kickoff return. I mean, that was a huge spark. You know, that's the, when I think of that game. There's so many great plays, and that play itself was incredible. Jerome was nobody was catching that guy, and I really think that was the the spark that actually got us over the hump because we were we were losing if I remember correctly to Southern Miss at the time before he, he ran that kickoff return back. Um great week. 
Uh, we had certainly a miraculous ending too with our defensive stand. That was incredible. I'll let Dennis speak to that and Brad speak to that. But uh, super fun week. I, I would say, Chris, I probably, now probably had a critical block on that Jerome Thomas stick up for Jim. One memory that I have that <laughs> you might find it silly, but I, I think here was how much my I, pride I had in the, in the Idaho. Boise State rivalry because we're playing in Boise on the blue turf. And when they rolled out Idaho in the end zone on the green turf rolled out across that blue ugly and it said Idaho. And I've got a great big picture of that. Um, that's one of my best memories of the bowl game is being yeah. able to put a great big stamp on that ugly blue turf. That's great. And that Jerome Thomas uh, kickoff return, just shy of 100 yards, just shy, still ranks number one in, in bowl game records. What a moment that was in a game with so many of them. Uh, John, John, what uh, what's coming to your mind here? Um, I don't know if I paid that much attention to how big of underdogs we were in that game until after the fact. You know, if you look at that game on paper, you know, I don't know if we really had any business being in that game. Um you know, I look at the defense, they had, it was either five or six turnovers, you know, and that, that really kept us in the game and gave us a shot, you know, to get more points. Um, I mean, their defense was pretty stacked. They had a guy, Adelius Thomas, you know, he played in the NFL a long time. Uh, another linebacker, um, I think it was Slater. But, I mean, they they had, they had a, a great team, but uh, – you know, they didn't have what we had, and that was Hart. And, uh, you know, I, I put our team against anybody, and, you know, I, I love playing with our guys, and I, you know, I love that team, and I loved all the teams. And, uh, you know, I wish we would have had a shot to do that, you know, a couple more times, but Boise State was just starting to turn their program around, and uh, they they stood in our way those next couple of years. But, um you know, that year was special, and, you know, winning a championship, you know, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be sitting here right now if we don't win a championship. You're just another team. And, uh, you know, you put your mark in Idaho history, and it's just a special, t- a special thing. Um, you know, we're sitting here talking about the old days, and, you know, we're the old guys right now. And, you know, we talk about these these days and these times. It it seems like just yesterday we were there. And, uh, you know, I'd give anything to go back and do it again. You just kind of made me think of it, John, as something that's definitely worth mentioning because there was was definitely, despite the score and the points given up, there was some defensive performances, um, individual performances that were stellar. I think Ryan Skinner – perhaps had his, his best game of his career in the bowl game. It was something silly, like 16 or 17 tackles, you know, caused fumble, fumble recovery. Um, there was a number of turnovers that were that were critical. Um, and, and so it was definitely a team effort. There's no, there's no two ways about it, it was a team effort. But despite the points given up, there were some individual um, defensive performances that were phenomenal, and Ryan was definitely one of them. Um, yeah. One of the greatest linebackers at Idaho in Idaho history, Brian Skinner, but still goes down as the second best player from Lewiston High School. <laughs> Forty-four mag. 
Dennis, any other thoughts? And we're talking about the defense, and I know you you had a, a big game there. Uh, what are you thinking about when we're talking about the bowl game? You know, to kind of go back to what Presto was saying, that whole week leading up to leading up to the game, I just remember seeing those guys, and you know they looked apart, the and when it came down to it. I think it was only really the younger guys that, that seemed to be intimidated and would point that out or guys that didn't play because we were so confident. It was like, yeah, they look great, but can you play? <laughs> Even though they were ranked and they were all these, all these different things. I, and I was young. I mean, I was a, you know, a, a sophomore and, you know, just understanding, you know, what I was going up against I was like, let's let's see what happens when we get on the field. Like I didn't I didn't think of it in any different terms. And I remember Joel, there was the humanitarian uh reception. Right. And he was the one that was being uh receiving this humanitarian award for being a humanitarian, whatever that actually however that worked out. And <laughs> and I remember him making sure that we were competitive in our cheers to make sure that we were louder than them when he went up for the award. And I like, even there, it's just like the little things just to make sure that we, we outmatch them in, in clapping. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a small thing, but at the end of the day, like we, we brought our a game at every single instance of that, of that interaction. Um, And that was, that was like the the biggest thing to me. Like uh, we, we knew we wouldn't back down. We knew we wouldn't play scared. And um, I mean, we played bigger teams. We played LSU and when they were ranked seventh in the nation in at LSU, like, you know, we're going down this narrow path and, Kids, old folks dressed in in purple and gold, they're beating on our bus, calling us tiger bait with a big ass tiger right outside of our locker room. You know, right. we we've seen bigger than that. So, um, at the end of the day, that was not to say it was small potatoes, <laughs> pun intended. But um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't think that I didn't think that that was. Uh, as big of a an issue. Um, now going and, back, to uh, that. I mean, I think I was going to say that just goes back to our our leadership. Like they they made sure that we were dialed in. They made sure that you know we wouldn't get flustered just by you know a guy's like physical, you know, aesthetic. Right. Um. So, sorry. Go ahead, Pat. Uh, yeah. Go back go. to that that event with that reception right here's a story i'm wondering if anybody else was if you guys remember this so after that event after that reception there was an event and there was activities and, and things to hang out and do and there was a jousting activity so joel thomas takes the joust and he goes against their running back who was a stud i remember that so it was our best versus their best 
and Joel puts them on the ground. I mean, I I can't believe how loud everybody was. We were going nuts. I mean, that was a story I haven't thought about. It just popped into my head right now. I hadn't thought about in probably 20 yeah. years. Right? You remember that, Dennis? When- yeah. I, and and I just knew Joel was going to smack this dude. <laughs> Joel was a bully. He was just a flat-out bully. <laughs> right. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, Joel was the bowling ball, man. What He bench-pressed, I'm pretty sure it was 500 pounds. I mean, I knew – their guy didn't stand a chance against him. Joel was the toughest guy I knew up until that point. That's great. W- Willie, just any other thoughts, anything else you want to add on to this? Yeah, I'll just summarize. I think, again, just going with my coaching experience, and we had – I don't think we knew it at the time, but and I'm sure the coaches had something to do with it, but whatever happened, we knew we were in it until the very end, and I knew – and we knew – that somebody would, would make the play, whether it's Jerome Thomas, we're back in it, and then it's the key. I mean, the defense, I think, won the game because they came up key in those in those really important times of the fumble recovery. Um, I mean, I think they had, what, three forced fumbles that game? And so we knew the players were going to make the play. It's just a matter of us doing that and then just kind of – taking it over of, hey, we, we're, we belong here and we believe in each other and someone's going to make the play and we're going to get it done. That's fantastic. That, that's fantastic. Well, I'm just going to kind of open it here and just a couple more questions. And this time has been great. This has been so much fun to hear everyone's stories and to think back on that historic season. But let's say you're, whether it's this weekend, sometime in the future, you're all hanging out at the corner club. You're talking about your time in a Vandal uniform, whether it's the 98 team, whether it's the Boise State game, whether it's the bowl game. Anything come to mind that we haven't touched on yet that uh, you're, you're now kind of thinking about that would be fun to share? I think, you know, one of the main things is just going to be, um, you know, stuff not so much on the football field, but, you know, the times in the locker room. Um. You know, maybe mat drills. I just watched that uh, a little bit of the the Florida Gators. I don't know if you guys seen that on Netflix. And they had they did mat drills, and they showed those guys puking and everything, man. And and I thought back, I go, we did we did the same stuff, you know. So it's it's going to be times like that. It's going to be, you know, hanging out. It's going to be the memories, and. Uh, you know, it's going to be great to catch up with guys and just see how their lives, you know, have come together to this point and, and what everybody's doing and, and how their families are, things like that. And Chris, what we what we can't remember now, as you ask this question, the memory is going to come back when we're all together, mm-hmm. right? So what Johnny's talking right. about the locker room was my favorite part of the whole experience. The stories, more like the embellishments of what happened over the weekend or what that day all the trash talking amongst each other. You know, we, had of- get, we had the ghetto in the suburbs. Remember that? In the locker room? <laughs> I'm just thinking about Master P. Who's going to yeah. bring the Master P? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I thought we were going to keep that in the reps, but okay, yeah. Politically incorrect. <laughs> ghetto in the suburbs. <laughs> hey, Johnny. You can surmise why that might have taken place. Hey, I was in the ghetto. I was in the ghetto, Dennis. Right. right. 
You're right. I, I moved yeah. from the suburbs to the ghetto. You were, you were <laughs> fresh meat. Reverse move. Yeah. Well, just uh, last thing for you here, guys. Uh, obviously, you're part of Vandal history in such a big way. You guys making your mark. But it's it's been a pretty fun time for Vandal football right now. And obviously, Brad has a special connection with that with his son. But um, what are you thinking about the program right now, what Coach Eck has done, and what it's like? Because you've talked about before at the at the beginning of our recording that, uh, you know, everyone's kind of spread out a little bit. But I know uh, everyone at minimum keeping an eye on on how the Vandals are doing. Uh, what are your thoughts about the program right now? And, uh, uh, Ryan, we can get started with you. Sure. So Coach Eck is the first coach since I left that has done two things. He's creative. He's not afraid to take risks. I felt like all the other coaches over the years were much too conservative for the program. So his willingness to take risks, his creativity is the reason why we're so successful, right? Players win championships, definitely, and players win games. But he and his coaching staff have set these guys up for success. So I'm really happy with Coach. He brings a different energy that we haven't had in a long time. So I just hope that we can keep him for a number of years. So I know uh, Mahmoud Sheik is on the phone with us here. Anything you could do to influence that, that would be fantastic. Let's keep that guy. You know, Ryan, I think when you see him this weekend, just let him know that. I know that uh, some of you have had a chance to get to know him. And through and through, he loves the University of Idaho. He, he loves uh, the, the players and the program as a whole. He's, he's working hard to bring that band of pride where, where, you know, you guys had it at one time. And, and so I think if you can share that with him and just give him thanks, uh, that go a long way. And then, of course, uh, you know, send money. Money is the root of all evil, except at the University of Idaho. So that's how we keep Coach Jack. <laughs> Anybody else want to jump in? Just, uh, you know, adding on what Ryan is saying, it's been it's been a pretty fun time here. And uh, just any thoughts on, on where the program is right now and everything that's going on with Vandal football? Uh, it's well, exciting. Think... It's exciting again. Sorry. Um, you know, it's. I, I'll be honest, um, you know, when they were, when they had, a, you know, a couple losing seasons, I wasn't following as much. Um, but now every week, you know, I'm checking scores and we're on a group text with a lot of guys and everybody's keeping us updated, especially Brad being at the games all the time with his son. It's been 25 years now and we got, we got guys playing college football and, uh, you know, I can't wait to get back there. Uh, Kocek. He actually reached out to me when he was recruiting out in Chicago. So I got to meet up with him and, um, you know, put a face to his name. And I already, you know, know his mentality. So I'm looking forward to uh, another Vandal win this weekend when we come down there. It's going to be a big game, too. Uh, well, Willie, what are your thoughts? Well, I was just going to say the momentum definitely helps, especially being here in Boise and and going to the tailgates down here at the uh, the supporters here that 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 um, you know follow and support the Vandals, it's great to see. You know, and again, it's it's going to come with 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 victories and wins, and, and it goes back to the momentum of especially down here. It's great to see people wearing the t-shirts. Um, I saw a boat um, with a a spare tire cover with the Vandal, and I talked to him at the stop sign, and it's just. Down here, it's it's great to see. It's uh, you know, and and again, it goes back to the momentum and and it, it's 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 good to live in Boise when the Vandals are doing great. Right. 
De- Dennis, are you, yeah. are you keeping an eye on things on what's going on in Moscow? Oh yeah, we're we're all in the text group, just like uh, just like well said. But you know, just kind of brings me back to that time that when we won the bowl game. I don't remember why I remember this and and uh, what this particular meeting was, but it talked about like just how it how it changed the whole ecosystem of the campus where um, there was just a, the next year there was just a record number of applications uh, for the school and just the higher, it was just a higher level of, of uh, GPAs that were coming in. I think there was uh, like a record number of 4.0 students from high school that were applying to Idaho. And it just, just that one win just just kind of trickled down to all aspects of the campus. Uh, the girls got better looking. It was it was crazy. Like I, <laughs> there were so many things that happened from that one bowl game. And um, yeah, it, if that's kind of the kind of culture, I mean, these players are going to be in for a treat. <laughs> and, and Brad, again, you have the most unique perspective on this. Obviously, you love the University of Idaho, but. Uh, you, you know, you know, you're sending your son son somewhere for you want to send him to play for a great coaching staff and have a great situation. Uh, well, what are your thoughts on everything that's uh, going on with the program right now? Yeah, well, I've just based on proximity, um, I've gotten to know Coach Jack and his wife and family. Frankly, um, um, I was fortunate enough to be part of an advisory committee um, that helped um, Terry with the with the with the actual hire in terms of the type of character traits that we wanted to see in a coach and the systems and so on and so forth. And um, Jason was kind enough to accept an invitation for me to bring his wife and family down uh, to my home. And we had a barbecue last summer, um, had occasion to um, visit with him a number of times. And uh, we've hung out together at the corner club and, and sat with him at a number of basketball games. So I've really gotten to know him. And I, I would say um, a couple things about him. Um, he comes across as incredibly smart. Um, he's, he's pretty charismatic. I've seen him around the guys and how he talks to the guys. He, he definitely strikes me as a, as a player's coach, somebody that you, you grow to really like. Um, he's, he's got a pretty um, even keel kind of demeanor. Um, he gets, um, guys motivated um, and hands out, a, a, you know, a fair bit of praise. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's critical when he needs to be, but he's, he's, he's likable um, that he doesn't, he's just one of those coaches that's a screamer and, and all he does is light you up when you make mistakes. Um, he, he's a family man and he realizes there's, there's, you know, more to life than just ball. And I think that's, that's an important, brings that important balance to the game. Um, surround himself with some good, some solid coaches, and I'm I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you that he's he's surrounded by some guys that are passionate about football and know know the systems well. And I one of the things I've appreciated about him is they're 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 disciplined, they stick to their guns. Um, you know, and and Presto mentioned about taking risks. I mean, how many times do we go for it on fourth down against Cal? You you've got to do that, right? And um, he's got the courage to to do that. It's not just about managing. You know, and 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 you know, it's about go for two kind of a mentality, and and you know, at Idaho, you, you we we appreciate that certainly as players, we appreciate that. So, uh, whatever that magic mojo is, he's got it, 
Um, and he's, he's clearly able to recruit and get players to believe. Uh, and he was, he was a straight shooter too. At the end of the day, he was, he was so incredibly honest, um, with me and my son about my son's skill sets and where he fits and, and things he needs to work on. Um, so I, he's, he's not a, he doesn't, you know, blow smoke at people. He, he calls it like he sees it and he's honest about it in a way that, that you know he's being genuine and you don't feel like he's a salesman. So all of those things add up to success and, and clearly he's demonstrated that in the short time he's been in Idaho. Well, the beautiful thing is all these, these Vandal teams now, they're, they're striving for a place in history like you guys have. And, uh, it's so fun to honor you guys coming up, but, uh, you just go in the Kibbe Dome any day. And, uh, as you all know that, uh, your, your legacy is there at the Dome every single day for what you were all able to accomplish. Uh, this has been fantastic. Um, everyone's time, uh, having this conversation. Thanks so much for it. I can't wait for, for the reunion coming up in person, but I know uh, this is a tight group that, that stays in touch. So, um, again, thanks for the time. Thanks for doing this. This has been a blast. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Well, how much fun was that? What a blast getting to sit down and chat with these five members of that historic Vandal 1998 humanitarian bull team. Again, our big thank you to John Welsh, Dennis Gibbs, Ryan Prestamonico, Willie Alderson, and Brad Rice for taking the time for this conversation. They've got that great reunion coming up. For the weekend of the Sac State game. Well, one more time, a huge thank you to our presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast. It is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals, his team physician, orthopedic surgeon Dr. Kyle Hazelwood provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region. At Inland Orthopedics, our team is your team. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Vandal Insider Podcast. We'll be with you next. Of course, coaches shows the game broadcast. So we start an hour prior. You can catch those on the Vandal Radio Network or this great audio hub that we have for all of our audio content at GoVandals.com slash VIP. Or you can also find it easily uh, wherever you may be finding us. Don't forget, you can find us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Just search Vandal Insider Podcast. Well, I'm Chris King signing off. Again, we appreciate you tuning in. V's up. This has been the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan source for all things Idaho athletics. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.